Vicky very kindly said that I'm the Reverend Professor Philip McCormack and I know one of the challenges that I faced is that when people hear the word professor they think oh my goodness this is going to be complex I won't be able to grasp this. That's not my intention today. My intention today is to encourage us but also to challenge us and to do so by looking at something which I confess that I have read multiple times but never really spent any time thinking about the implication of it. And yet I believe that it could be a key for us to help us in our Christian journey and more than that, to revitalize the work of the church in the UK. I believe that we need to see a movement of God in the United Kingdom. And what I mean by that is that I want to see people converted. I want to see people who at this moment are strangers to Christ being born again and added to the church. That's the mission of the church. I'll come on to that in a little bit. Chapter 3 in Ephesians begins with Paul talking about himself in chains as a prisoner for the Lord. And yet despite his probably house arrest at this particular moment, and despite the fact that the man may well have been literally chained, chained to one of the Praetorian Guard, his mind and his heart was still towards the people of God. And it's the context, before I get into what I really want to say, that it's, it's just so lovely. Paul establishes our position before I think there is a profound challenge. So in verse 14, this is Paul establishing our position. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth derives his name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Why? Why would he do this? Why would Paul pray that God would expand his riches on us? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. Might have power. The starting point is our position in Christ. Now I suspect that you have heard this many times. From Ian or Vicky or a multitude of preachers that have preached in this church. God will not love us anymore at any point in the future. God will not love us more 10,000 years from now. God's love for you will not be any greater a million years from now. The only thing that will change is our understanding of what that means. But God's love will not change. And the depth of his love will not change. The only thing that changes is our ability to understand what it means to be loved by God in that way. And so Paul says something that I have to confess struck me in a way that it had never done before. And he says that you may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. 
Have you ever thought about that? So in the one hand, Paul establishes our position in Christ, which is amazing. It's incredible. And then he goes on to say, so that from this position, you might have power to know the height, breadth, depth, and length of God's love. Why would he say that? And I've been thinking about this over the last probably three weeks. And in all the commentaries that I've read and reading, you know, well-known preachers that have spoken on this passage, my thinking has came to this particular notion that our ability to know really depends on our desire to know. That as we desire, as we wish to be able, God grants us an insight into that a little bit more. Let me try and give you some illustrations of what I mean. Sometimes we, in our lives that are busy and complex and full of all kinds of challenges, can find ourselves in scenarios and situations where we simply don't see the amazing stuff that is around us. Let me give you an illustration. In order, because some of you will know that I was an assistant chaplain general for the army before I came to do my work in uh, Spurgeon's College. And in part of my ministry, it required me traveling something like 190 miles a day to go to my office. And that was to enable my son to actually, who's now a police officer in Northern Ireland, to do his A-levels at Farnham College. So every day I traveled this very long distance. And my journey took me by Stonehenge. Day after day, every working day, I saw the stones. But instead of thinking, wow, look at those amazing stones that are literally thousands of years old, and thinking, how did they get from Wales to, you know, outside Andover? I couldn't do it. I don't even know that it would be a, an easy job with all the technology that we have. But do you know what occurred to me every time I saw the stones? I knew that it was 45 minutes to my office in, Westminster, uh, in, in Warminster. <laughs> I stand before you a few weeks away from my 60th birthday. And despite the fact that Stonehenge is regarded as one of the world's great architectural sort of wonders, I visited it once. I come from Northern Ireland. Some of you may also come from Northern Ireland. And you will know that we have beautiful coastline, amazing scenery. It's a beautiful country. You would expect me to say that I'm from Northern Ireland. <laughs> and yet, how many days can we go by something stunning that a visitor or a tourist will see and be amazed and yet it's invisible to us? And because it becomes so familiar, it largely becomes unknown and unseen. And I wonder if that's why Paul, having established our position, which is amazing, it's just phenomenal, he then goes on to pray, so that you might have the power 
to grasp, to understand, to realize the height, breadth, depth, and length of God's love. But I think we have become so shaped by the world and by the messaging of the world that slowly and subtly we have begun to change the way we think. Now what's fascinating to me is that Paul then goes on to say, to talk about this among the company of the saints, among us. That one of the areas in which we can begin to grasp the height, breadth, depth and length of the love of God is among the people of God. To quote J.B. Phillips' translation of Romans 12, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. I've yet to ever be in a church setting where people would voluntarily say, yes, squeeze me, I want to be a world-shaped Christian. We would refuse that. In fact, our Baptist heritage would go, no, I will not conform. And yet, we do conform. And what I mean by that is that we have allowed ourselves to imagine and to think of ourselves as the church is in decline. It's not. I mean, it really isn't. I was part of a small team that went to California. We were invited by Pastor Rick Warren of Saddleback to a gathering, and it's called Finishing the Task. And I have to say, I've been really animated by this. I'm inspired by this. I'm enthused by this. In terms of our calendar year, as how our years are actually measured, it is 10 years from the 2000th anniversary of the crucifixion, resurrection, and giving of the Great Commission. Think about that. In 2033, that will be 2,000 years from Christ died on the cross, raised from the tomb. And the Lord Jesus turned to his disciples and gave the church the command, go into all the world and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. But do you know what I encountered in California? And finishing the task is very simply. The commander has given us a command. Our task is to finish it. To take the gospel message around the world. And what was thrilling is I was there with 277 church leaders from the global church. 43 countries. And I have to confess, I wasn't aware of just the amazing work that God is doing around the world. That would just blow our minds. There was a young African leader who is the CEO of an organization. Now wait for this. 1.2 million Christian churches and organizations are a part of that particular grouping. I can't get my head around that. I think it's interesting that the Baptist Union has 2,000 churches in fellowship with it. 1.2 million. And that's only in one part of the world. And listening to Rick talk about this was inspiring. He said, if you look at the global population, one in three globally are Christians. And yet how often do we hear these stories that would inspire and thrill us of what God is doing around the world? But you may sit and think, but that's all well and good. But I'm not in different places around the world. But can I suggest to you, if we were just to begin to share what God has done for us this week out of love, we would almost 
be moved to tears. Now there must be a couple of hundred in the meeting today and there's obviously a lot more on the screen. If each of us were just to spend a moment and share what God has done out of love for each of us, we would begin to see the breadth and height and depth and length of God's love just in this congregation. And this is one congregation of thousands of congregations in the UK, all in the center of God's love and God working towards our good because he loves us. But sometimes we don't spend the time or we're not intentional creating the opportunities to hear of the amazing things that God is doing and desires to do and wants to do. And I think that's why Paul begins by stating our position and then saying, so that you might have power to know the ability to comprehend, the desire to comprehend, the intention to comprehend with all the people of God. And do you know the amazing, fascinating thing about this? Is he then goes on to say, so that you might understand that which is unknowable. Just read it again in case you think I'm making this up. But James Montgomery Boyce in his commentary on this said, this, this makes no sense. And to know his love that surpasses knowledge, how can we know that which is unknowable? That's like saying, and next week, Vicky is going to teach you how to create a square circle. You know, it's, it's an illogical thing. I can say the words, but I just don't have the brains to actually imagine it. What did, what did Paul mean by this? Well, I think what he means is this. There is never a point where we will exhaust our, our exploration of God's love for his people and his church. My son watched a film at Christmas, which I have to confess, I wasn't that keen on. And it was often a mountaineer who was going to climb the seven highest mountains in the world, one after the other. Every ounce of me thought, why? To know of all the things that I sort of want to do and plan in the future, climbing mountains is not one of them. It, I mean, playing golf, hmm, uh, I quite like that idea. But what I find fascinating in listening to these very skilled mountaineers is talking about the challenge of moving on whenever you think you've got to the top, there's another peak. And then you think you've got to the top and there's another peak. And you keep going and keep going until finally you reach the top of whatever mountain you're trying to climb. I hear this to be true. I've never done it. In Northern Ireland, we have hills, not really mountains. They're not, the, not in the same class. But I think the idea is simply this. There is no point that we will ever get in our journey where we will stand and go, I have seen all there is to see of God's love. I have reached a point where I can overview all of the knowledge of God's love because it is inexhaustible. One of the things which I think is, is telling of our modern age is that so many people feel that life is a drudge that has to be endured. And I genuinely believe that this possibly is related to the amount of alcohol 
and drug abuse that we see. It's just that for many people, life has become so difficult in terms of intolerable that they look for something to actually take them out of it. If you've ever read Audulus Huxley's book, Brave New World, there's a phrase in it that's really famous. Was and will make me ill, I take a gram and only am. And the world that Huxley was describing is a, is, a, is a dystopian world in which people cannot think about the past without it becoming unbearable. And they can't think about the future without it becoming unbearable. And the only way they cope is they take a piece of soma and they're in a perpetual present and they don't think about the past and they don't think about the future. But one of the things about human beings is that we can imagine our being better than we are more knowledgeable than we are, doing things that we desire to do. As Christians, God invites us on a journey and he promises us that that journey is inexhaustible. There is never going to be a moment where you get to a point where you go, I have learned all there is to learn. I have gathered all there is to gather. I have seen all there is to see. I have exhausted God, which is why Paul talks about a knowledge that surpasses knowledge. Now, at the heart of our Christian faith is the concept of being a disciple. What is a disciple? Well, in Greek, a disciple, the word is methetes, somebody who learns and puts into practice. As disciples, we're on a journey, and that journey should be one of going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into God. But doing it in the context of recognizing that what God is doing. Doing it in a context whereby we recognize that we're part of a global movement and that God around the world is at move. He's on the march. And when you listen to what God is doing in multitudes of countries around the world, it's thrilling. Do you know what percentage growth the Baptist World Alliance had just a few years ago, it grew. What kind of number do you think? Now think of this. We're talking about tens and tens of millions. Talking around about 80 to 100 million Baptists around the world. What percentage growth do you think a few years ago? Because the General Secretary told me this. 28%. The Baptist family globally grew 28%. Could you imagine if we heard the stories of that, sharing God's love in that way? Recognizing just how broad, wide, deep the love of God is. But here's the challenge. Will you be willing? Will you have the desire to say, God, grant me the power to understand more of your love? Grant me the power to enter into this inexhaustible wealth that you present. Give me the desire to be used by you. One of the things that I want you to leave with, if you forget anything else, is that our task is to share the love of God with the world around us. A love that is inexhaustible. But we have to encounter it first. We have to go deeper first. And then out of the depths of that, 
we share that with those around us. And so I pray as I hand back to Vicky that the Lord by his spirit would grant to us the desire to seek the power to know more of God's love and to understand that the, the knowledge of that that surpasses all understanding. May God bless that which has been of himself this morning and take us on a journey deeper into himself.